Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. Hey, hey there. Hello. Hi, Hi guys. Hi. Hey, if you go ahead and shut off the live stream, you'll actually see at the top of the website there's one that says chat only. And if you click on chat only, then you'll have the uh, the chat only version, so you can still be part of the chat room, and and we won't get the feedback of the live of the live right. system coming through. Okay, right. great. So, uh, Cheryl and Rob, thanks for joining me tonight. This is kind of a makeshift podcast. Uh, David didn't show up at the last moment. He might join us. I don't know where he's at. Sometimes, you know, things happen. In life, that keep us up. So I thought I'd just uh, open up the mics and see if we can talk about anything tonight. Uh, Cheryl, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, where are you from? What you up to? Um, I, Jeff, I remember meeting you uh, last year at NAC um, in... Where was it last year again? Uh, I'm San Antonio. San Antonio. Uh, I was at the uh, um, Classroom 2.0 um, area where we were all kind of presenting. Yeah. Um, presented uh, wet paint. Right. I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, I'm out in Pennsylvania. Excellent. I'm actually Excellent. Home, home today. Um, but I'm, I work as an instructional tech specialist in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So how much? So uh, just, well, it's early morning for you then. Uh, it's it's eight o'clock. 8 it's uh, my kids had me up. Yeah, eight a.m. and uh, just got my kids off to school, and I'm taking the day off because they have an awards assembly today, and I'll be heading up there this afternoon. Very good. So, so how many days of school do you have left? Uh, the kids are finished tomorrow. Nice. That's. Uh, <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. How do you go, How do, how does it work out in Thailand? How uh, does that we're, work? We're almost done. We're done next Wednesday. So today was my last oh, okay. Thursday. So yeah. So tomorrow, uh, next week this time, I'll be almost landing in Seattle. So I'm excited for that. Oh, okay. so, yeah, that's good. Um, also joining us tonight is Rob. How are you doing tonight, Rob? Good. How are you guys? Good. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself right down the uh, street? My name is me. Rob Newberry. Um, people know me on Twitter as Rob in Thailand, and uh, I'm a teacher. I teach technology to grade three, four, five at Rob Murdy International School. And I've been following Jeff for a long time on Twitter and uh, on his podcast, and I'm a big fan, so it's really nice to be here. Excellent. No, that's great. Uh, and I met Rob for the first time at, uh, we met at the bar camp for the, the first time camp. in person uh, just a couple weeks ago, so that was that was very cool. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and get into a, a conversation, and we'll just start uh, talking about how do you extend learning beyond the uh, classroom walls? So, uh, Cheryl, we'll start with you. Is there any projects that you've done this year that you want to talk about or, you know, ways that you're trying to help get teachers and kids, uh, um, you know, going beyond yeah. the classroom walls? It's pretty amazing um, how rapidly uh, things are having uh, – things are changing. Um, trying to get people on board. Uh, Pennsylvania has an initiative right now that uh, – it's called Classrooms for the Future – 
And basically what they've tried to do is to uh, reform high schools uh, with almost, it's very similar to a one-to-one initiative. Um, And we have been working on extending the classroom through virtual um, online uh, professional learning networks through Ning. Excellent. Um, I'm a very, Excellent. I'm an avid Ning user. Um, I've created a Ning actually for my actual organization out in Pennsylvania, um, and we have professionals using it now. Um, and some of them get it, you know. What I mean, some of them actually get the way um, you use a social platform um, for professional learning, but some are still tied to the listservs and you know want to use the email. Right. Um, but right. they're starting to move ahead, and as for kids. Uh, at the elementary level, hey. we've been using, we've been looking into uh, things like Ning or Bloust. Um, we're using a lot of virtual games, um, but a lot of blogging is happening, discussion forums outside of school. Um, and I've actually used in the past um, a, a software called View. It's an online virtual um, video conferencing or webinar tool. Cool. Um, and it's, it's free for up to 20 users, so I've had webinars for teachers um, outside of school because they don't first of all they don't they won't get paid to come during the day or you have to pay a substitute a lot of districts are cutting back on that and um, after school they want to go home so they bring their laptops home and they we do a meet up for an hour from like six to seven and that seems to have been working quite a bit um, there's a lot of different things going on in our schools which is pretty cool um, there are a lot of people that are actually using Skype quite a bit for video conferencing, room to room, that kind of stuff, um, and you know even um, country to country or state to state. That that's been going on quite a bit um, with getting in touch with other people. And now I have another contact in Thailand uh, with Rob. So Rob, don't don't uh, think that you're going to get off the hook here when we hang out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, is, my your, son's, is your Ning my, is your Ning uh, public or private? Um, there are a couple. There's one that uh, the one that I have is called uh, Link Teachers. Um, the one Ning that I love, I mean, Steve Hargaden is a very dear friend, colleague. Um, Classroom 2.0 is one that I love post Steve. onto love and and. Um, you know, do some really nice things on, and he's got weekly webinars happening all the time. Um, I have another one that's actually just for Pennsylvania educators. It's called PA Educators, um, and we have we have a state. I, I I got a little frustrated with the CFF grant being just for the high school teachers. Um, the the un, unintended consequences was that the digital divide has now grown um, between. Uh, teachers and students within the K to eight sector um, yeah. versus the yeah. nine through twelfth sector. So I wanted to bring everyone together, and I opened up a Ning um, on my own, and we have about two hundred members in there right now. Um, you know, just talking and trying to connect and, and making those connections outside of the classroom. So that's really taken off quite a bit since mid year. I'd say we started that uh, in January. So it, it's gone. It's slow, but I. I don't think there's enough awareness out there about it yet. Yeah. Um, that always general takes time. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. It, it takes time to grow that audience, you know. That's one thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is you expect to build something and people just to be like, oh, wow, this is so amazing. And most teachers aren't that way. <laughs> no. Know, it they're takes, like, yeah. <laughs> it takes yeah, time how is this to, relevant? Right, right exactly. My, my, husband's a, uh, my husband's a phys ed teacher, and um, he d- didn't get the whole – tech thing he just sees me as this ex-athlete becoming like this tech geek and 
now he blogs. Um, he does blogging uh, for his wrestling team, and he uh, has a Google Calendar, and and so he's really moving into the realm of of seeing the relevance and the importance of being online, having an online presence. Um, I'm a huge Web 2.0 advocate. I have a, a wiki dedicated to Web 2.0 applications. So anytime that I can go in and do training with teachers um, where they can use web-based apps instead of apps that are tied to a computer, um, I share that out uh, on my wiki. It's Web 2.0 Guru is my wiki. Okay. Um, so there are lots of people using that at that point. And, uh, I mean, anytime I can get the teachers to see that Kids will learn. If you give them something to do, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, I always say that. So if, if you build something like a wiki, um, kids will come to use it even outside of school because it's something that they're inclined to use. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple if you take the baby steps with the teachers. Um, sometimes I have to tone it down because they look at me like I'm crazy and they're like, what is she talking about? So. Um, you know, baby steps and, uh, you know, getting the tools that are relevant to the teachers in their hands and then letting them get comfortable with it with the students at the same time. That, that's critical. Yeah. So that's well, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm sure everybody's got something else that they can share as well. Yeah, that's great. If you don't mind, can you drop some of those links into the chat there uh, so we can get yes. them for the show notes and stuff and uh, we'll put them up. And David Carpenter has joined us. Hello, David. How are you tonight? Hello, everybody. Doing terrific here at the start of June. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying that sharing there. Is it Cheryl or Cheryl? Either one works for me. People call me oh, all like different that. names. I go okay. by Cap. Um, usually people call me Cap, and that's my Cap. nickname, but Cheryl, Cheryl. Okay. Surely, I get all kinds of names as long as it's not right. anything inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll hold back on that. <laughs> all right, Rob, how about you? Uh, what kind of things have you been doing over at NIST and, and some of the things that you've been uh, involved in this year and helping students and teachers uh, extend the class classroom walls? Well, I, I wish I was at NIST. Actually, I'm, I'm still at RIS. Oh, that's right. Sorry. That's right. much more aggressive. <laughs> But um, no, um, but, um, no um, I started at. Um, I started at. Um, um, the, the difference was that uh, a lot of our really exposed to a lot of technologies. pretty much working off the map software that was on the map. I'm really fortunate to be working in the Mac lab. So slowly, I've been introducing more and more applications that are going on. Uh, started off with small like Zimmer Twins or Bitstrips. So just getting finding ways to you know help them express themselves creatively online using online tools and, and developing research skills to find other websites, other sort of tools online that sort of facilitate that kind of expression. Um, in the second semester, I've started to become a bit more aggressive in sort of talking about Twitter in the classroom, which is a pretty delicate matter, actually. You know, like you, you, you kind of want to, you want your students to get involved with the resources that are available right. with these social networks like Twitter and Facebook and things. I don't really talk about Facebook in class, but Twitter I'm pretty happy to talk about. So, you know, I've been seeing more and more students, uh, especially in grade five and up, start using online. They're working on things like Prezi. Well, I'm a huge fan of Prezi.com right now. It's just a fantastic website. It's the future of kind of online presentations and how that kind of, you know, and teachers are using them eventually. So um, right now it's really kind of a slow-moving process until next year. Um, uh, you know, I was really kind of sitting back because I think a lot of parents are, are a little apprehensive about their kids getting online. Um, and what kind of dangers there are out there? I mean, even today, I had a you know I had one of my girls in grade five 
a f- person with a completely inappropriate pornographic avatar started following her on Twitter, and she was kind of shocked by it, you know, and there's a lesson to be learned there. We're not really doing it in the classroom. It's kind of an, a home thing for them right now that they're sort of getting used to these, you know, social tools and yeah. and learning online. So there's lots of lessons to be learned from both sides, like teachers and students. But I'm really happy online to facilitate that you know here there are great tools online for learning and again you know I guess the, the whole point of to get outside the classroom would be to get kids to realize that it's not about what they know it's about how they can find the information yeah and um, totally you know agree. we don't really move away from memorization and that kind of thing to really developing research skills especially online yeah totally agree that's uh, I, you know I, I was able to see um, I was able to see you do a Prezi conversation at um, the Bangkok uh, bar camp. And it was fantastic. It was the first time I'd really get, had an opportunity to see uh, Prezi in action. So it was that was a very cool tool. I think it has. I think you're right. I think it has a lot of. It's pretty easy to use, you know, for kids and stuff. Yeah, it is. Too many bullets though in my presentation. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> it's a different tool, man. It's a different presentation. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's funny though, because I'm still getting a lot of people that are that are coming up and talking about uh, that presentation. You know, it was interesting because I just did that one off the cuff at, at Bangkok. We've also got John Micton who's joining us from Prague. How are you tonight, John? Good. Uh, we're going. We're talking about how we extend the learning beyond the classroom walls tonight. So, John, are there any uh, suggestions, tips, websites, or things you've been working on at your school as we wrap up the school year? I think one of the things we've been working with is with the edu blogs and letting kids continue through their blogs after school. Excellent. And so with the electronic portfolios. So what we're having is with the uh, parent comments and stuff, they can really kind of allow them to get feedback and interact with people outside of the classroom and then bring that into the classroom. Excellent. That's with a campus license. That, oh, so you have a campus license with edu blogs? Uh, basically, you can buy a campus license and it allows you to have one site manager uh, manage hundreds of blogs. And you really have a lot of controls regarding language and how different members, what they get to do and not to do. And it really moves everything to the cloud so you don't have the issues of uploading uh, stuff to a website and then all the issues with FTP or actually learning the interface. It's very, it's a kind of WordPress technology, very easy, drag and drop, somewhat linear, but it really works for the kids. And if you don't mind me asking, what's an educational campus license for EduBlogs? What's that cost? Uh, for hundred is a thousand. For two hundred is two thousand dollars for the year. So, so almost. So, what is that? About a dollar, a dollar a kid, then. Yeah. Well, that's not bad at all. And they have multiple pages. They they can integrate, uh, you know, video. Pretty much, it's it's you know, it's a very robust interface. It's browser based. That's very cool. Which kind of you know cuts back on a lot of the management issues. We were doing a lot of electronic portfolios through iWeb, and we felt we were spending too much time on the technicalities, and that was taking away from the learning experience. And we want to really shift that away. And then also, we don't have to manage all these electronic portfolios, so we have more time to work on the pedagogy. Let's go. Um, you know, looking back on this year, it's interesting to look back and see. Uh, you know what? What have we done? I mean, the the podcasting, the students teaching students podcast that uh, was really a team effort. 
uh, I think is one way that we really tried to extend the, you know, extended the walls this year. Uh, we had a couple teachers that really took on, uh, uh, Chrissy Hellyer, NZ Chrissy on Twitter really helped with the fifth grade team and, and we're doing a lot of stuff, planning a lot of stuff for them next year. Uh, that are really taking off. I think the big thing for me this year was the graduate course that we ran, and, and it got us, you know, 45 teachers who have gone through two of the five courses now to get their educational certificate, and that has been huge for our, our teaching staff, and has turned around and has impacted student has impacted student learning. So for me, I think that's the one thing, you know, is focusing on staff development and how do you get teachers, you know, into these tools using these tools in a way that that allows them to affect student learning and getting over you know as Cheryl was saying you know how do you how do you start um, supporting teachers in that way and and you build it and they come but you also have to give them a, a support network so that they feel comfortable in trying something new and getting out there and and I think we, we were pretty successful at doing that and we've got a lot of talk about starting new portfolios next year so I think that'll be a big focus for our school next year moving forward so excellent, excellent. yeah no, that's, that's pretty good well that we I don't know if you introduced uh, the, the topic for the show right from the beginning but there you were just leading into it how, how do we help teachers take risk what are the the various factors and it seems like you all have really hit that a tipping point uh, there at ISB that you have so many people coming on board saying, I'm willing to take some risk. I'm going to go and listen to this crazy guy, Jeff Utican, uh, from time to time and learn from him. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, maybe we can do a little go around and, and hear what different folks, how do they see themselves helping other teachers uh, take risk in their schools? What needs to be done to help them do that? That's a good Does idea. that sound okay? That sounds great. I'll start from the bottom of my Skype list. So Cheryl's at the bottom, and then John, and then Rob, <laughs> and then David, and then I'll, I'll finish it off at the top. So Cheryl, we'll start with you. How are you helping teachers to take risks and feel comfortable in that? Um, or can you hear me? I just want to make yep. sure now. Yep, um, great. Okay. Um, basically, what my position uh, this year was to support uh, the coaches or the instructional technology coaches in the Pennsylvania schools in our region. I had 22 districts that I was working with, um, and I was there to support them. So we would have monthly meetings, uh, do some trainings. Um, the, the coaches would actually then go and work with the Classrooms of the Future teachers. Um, so they, I would model for them. So I did a lot of modeling, um, and basically what I did was take strategies that we are working on Right now, um, a lot of our districts are uh, in, a, in a phase. It's called Learning Focus Schools. Um, it's uh, it's research based on Robert Marzano's practices and basically best practice. Well, they do this best practice, uh, but nothing nothing is actually aligned with 21st century skills or, or your, your nets or um, anything like that. So what I do is take those take those strategies and say, okay, this is the strategy that you want to do. If you want to build vocabulary, these are two tools that you can use while doing that strategy that are either web-based or some type of um, technology that will support that strategy and offer um, students an expanded um, activity where they can build on um, specific applications. For example, we use Wordle. Uh, Visual words is a great uh, tool for building vocabulary, um, and uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Brainyflix. Um, I heard of that one. Oh my God, it's great! A guy from MIT, his name is Fred. Um, he's actually in Classroom 2.0. He started a website uh, based on um, SAT vocabulary, 
but it, it has grown substantially. Uh, it's just brainyflix.com, F-L-I-X. And uh, basically what they do now is um, take videos and pictures of vocabulary from kids. So kids are defining new vocabulary with video. Um, so they're acting out. They're, they're, yeah, it's really, really amazing. And they're creating images based on new vocabulary. And it's all based on, you know, vocabulary that students are learning. So he now has this huge website. And what they're doing then is rewarding the kids. So you, you vote on your favorite video. And those kids that submit the video are now um, experts. And they are rewarded, like, with, uh, you know, iPod, iTunes cards or um, an iPod a week, I think, they give away. Um, so this is, his, this is one of the things that I've shared with teachers. And they were so excited. Um, if kids can't be on computer and they can't submit something to YouTube, I'm like, well, how about puppets? You know, have, have the kids, you know, get into their artistic style of learning and they build a puppet or, you know, just an audio um, with pictures, like a photo story, that kind of thing. So Excellent. it's it's really being creative with the strategy and, and the core content that you're trying to get. Um, teachers have to stop viewing technology as the extra piece. Yeah. It's, it's really an infused piece that will support and enhance their, not only their instruction, but the student learning. And it's finding um, that hook, right? I mean, it's finding that, yeah. that that one piece of software, that one lesson that you can, like, for That's, lack of a better term, get your hook in them, and, and, and it sells itself. But it's, it's getting that first hook. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a thing, um, or bait and hook, sorry. Um, bait and hook, you know, and, and usually you know, who, you know what the teachers that really, really get it are the veteran teachers. The ones that are the most fearful, as soon as they see its relevance and they see the level of student engagement go through the roof, they're the ones that actually are able to um, take that tool and really start to use it and say, hey, give me more. Um, I, you know, I've had teachers come up to me after 25 years of teaching say, I don't want to retire now. You know, or they're getting ready, and, and this is so exciting. This is so much fun. So it, it's really just kind of making it relevant to them and making sure that it supports instruction. It's not some thing that's added at the end. You know, if you're going to do a chat session or cover it live, that kind of thing, don't just throw it in there just to throw it in there. It's got to be relevant, right. um, and that's what teachers need. So modeling for them, going out to the schools, I go in and I push into classrooms with the students, um, and I let the students teach me as well, and I tell them that it's it's critical to allow the students to be the subject matter expert at times. You know, let them teach you something because they they are rewarded and they benefit from that. So it really, really it's support modeling and and relevance to me um, in in what we should be doing for teachers and making them feel less fearful um, and having them you know, be able to come back to you and say, hey, I didn't really understand that. They have to feel safe, um, and then they'll start to take the risks. Exactly. So that's pretty much it. Good. That's great. How about you, John? Uh, what are ways you're supporting teachers at your school? I think one of the things that we try to do is make sure that when they go to the technology, they know it's always going to work. So they don't have that initial fear that there might be something not working, then that will kind of sabotage their idea. So it's the, you know, guaranteed stability, guaranteed service, that things are going to work. And then pushing them to kind of start using it in ways that they haven't thought before, and it's okay to make mistakes. 
And we've really been with our laptop program, really been doing that, especially with, uh, I would say, the uh, electronic portfolios. A lot of them have just been putting text. We're looking at with movies and podcasting and allowing them to, they themselves, to make mistakes and convince them that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's something that's organic that can grow. And a lot of it is conversations where where you're actually talking with people and holding hands, affirming that their mistake is actually not going to get a repercussion. I think for a lot of people that we work with is there's this fear that if they go into a podcasting environment or something that's more public, it has to be really incredibly good and perfect. And that's often not possible, especially when you're trying new things. You kind of have to think of it as a palette where you, you know, you paint and you put extra paint on top or take stuff off. And I think that's what we've really been doing. And the way, the best way is to actually have other teachers that can model that. So for our ninth and tenth grades, we have a couple teachers that uh, do this thing about Shakespeare, where uh, they do uh, kind of an autobiography where he is brought. He was frozen upon his death, and then he's unfrozen today. And that's kind of the premise for setting up a lot of the uh, various facts about him. And by the teach two teachers doing it, the other teachers watching that felt much more comfortable taking the risk than having to go through an information technology specialist. I think because there they they feel that these are people that are not experts and that are going to make mistakes, and, and it's okay for them to do that. And I think they feel more comfortable with it. So it's kind of the mentoring model, and it's just being able to set things up so that they feel they're interacting, they're guaranteed it's going to work, and then they don't have to worry about that, and then they can focus more on the risk factor and what is the things that they can do to kind of minimize that risk. And I think one of them is by the mentoring. Excellent. I love that. I love the mentoring. It's interesting because uh, in the program that we set up, this graduate program that we're going through, the fifth class is literally in, like, we're calling it an internship, but that's what it is. It's a mentoring class uh, where they'll be paired up with one of the instructors and be, for a whole semester, have them as a mentor by their side. So I think that's a fantastic model to go by. Uh, Rob, how about you? What are things you're doing in your classroom to su- or at your school to support teachers? Well, it's uh, it's an interesting sort of case with us. I, I actually, I, like, I feel like we're kind of like the lower end of technology integration at our school right now, so it's nice because it's, it's good to have all these resources like you to sort of see how the right way you know, to do things are because um, our teachers, you know, the grade five teachers pretty much have the projectors in their classroom and then grades one to four, I'm just speaking about the elementary section right now, um, they don't have the projectors and they can get projectors from the classroom and things but there isn't a lot of support right now. Um, it's, it's a whole new thing that we've just started this year actually, you know, trying to get teachers more involved and introducing them to new ways of doing things. You know, we're, you, that's why I think your, your last podcast was so interesting because it was talking about setting up a classroom or setting up a, you know, a technology system on, uh, on a tight budget. And that's really where we're at. And I think you know, a lot of international schools are moving that way. A lot of schools are. So um, what we're trying to do right now is um, there's two differing, differing kind of ways of thinking about it. There's one school of thought that is really kind of a top-down PD model which is basically saying, we think that this is what you should be knowing, this is, we, this is what you should be doing. Um, usually these are people who are making, this, the people who are making the decisions really don't really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I'll try to be diplomatic here, uh, and I'm not insulting anybody, but, um, you know, then there's the other school of thought that's saying that teachers really should be in charge of their PD. They should be saying, this is what we want. We want to know more about technology, and we don't want to just 
sort of get on to one thing or two things or this. We want to know what's out there. Yeah. You know, we had a we had our sort of last staff. We, we finished today, actually, Jeff. Our kids are oh. done. They were, they were left today. They're killing so me. Tomorrow, yeah, we have to go tomorrow just to clean up our classrooms, and then we, I start summer school on Monday. But we had a guy retire today, and he gave up. He went up there and he gave a speech. He's been working at the school as a math teacher for 38 years. And he finally retired today, and it was like he was waiting for his, almost 40 years to make his big speech because he was up there for 25 minutes, and he was talking about these 20 questions that he had for schools, and number 13 was the most poignant question. And he said, who is deciding what is PD for our teachers? And he said, you know, we can't keep telling teachers what they need to know. They have to be coming to us. And, you know, when we were in Hong Kong, sorry you couldn't be there, but the uh, CDNIS model of, you know, everything will come eventually in time. You know, when teachers approach us, we say, yeah, we can help you with that. So you have two grade six teachers. One is doing Skype conversations with another country. The other teacher is just getting into Microsoft Word, and that's totally okay. I think that teachers really need to be supported by learning at their own pace. As somebody just said earlier, you know, you got teachers who've been teaching for 20, 25 years. You know, they, they're, they're happy, and they get great results using what they've got already. So for us to sort of start pushing an agenda, I'm not sure if that's the right way. I think that the, the key is, as you said, is a hook, you know, finding great things that the kids really like using. It's got to be about them. They really have to be saying, yeah, we really like using this program. We want to use this. Can we do our presentations in this? Can I do my lessons on this? Like, can I take notes this way? And I think when we start listening to the people from the ground and seeing what the, you know, what the movement is from the ground, I think that's the most meaningful sort of implementation for technology. Very cool. David? Yes, very cool. Uh, boy, this is a, a lot of really good ideas, and I'll um, just bring a couple together. One of the, th- the things that you're talking about there, Cheryl, is uh, modeling, and one of the themes of our How Do We Shift Schools is getting our administrators or helping our administrators make the shift. And so if we want uh, teachers to take more risk, one of the first things we, I think we have to do is help our administrators model risk-taking themselves. And I've been lucky oh, absolutely. that... Yes, the school I've been at, Brent Loke and our principal, he is so far shifted out there that it just makes you comfortable when when you've got this guy who's just open to trying new things and making, and as, as you were saying, make, making Mrs. Okay, uh, makes such a makes such a huge difference and kind of takes the pressure off teachers to to feel like oh someone's looking and if I if I don't follow through the right way then I'll get in trouble. So I think that makes a big difference. And then for all of us, as I'll call us learning specialists, whether we're instructional technologists, directors of technology, librarians, gate facilitators, the, the, the specialists who are there to, uh, as John was saying, hold hands a bit um, and to support teachers. I just I think it's, it's catching on in a lot of schools to say instead of spending that extra money for the technology, we really need to spend the money on the, those human beings that are going to come in with the great communicative skills and know-how in helping teachers take those first steps. And as y'all were noting, find that hook, you know, that help them with what, find out with the, your teachers what they're comfortable with, what they feel really works. And uh, Cheryl, as you were just saying, and then just build on that, enhance it with whether it's technology or uh, various literacies that you can help a teacher bring into the, the classroom. So those were a, a couple biggies that jumped out at me to help teachers take risks. So, how, Jeff, how about you? 
Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting year, uh, being my first year here and coming into a school that I thought was uh, shift, more shifted than they are. Uh, they definitely have the hardware in place. They definitely have the infrastructure here. Uh, and now it, it really is that last piece of getting teachers and administrators to actually start, you know, thinking differently. Uh, one thing that we've been doing the last couple weeks is we've been transitioning uh, Kim and I our role next year as the as coaches, which happens to be a big thing in our school right now, having instructional coaches. So, you know, reading or literacy has been a big focus, so we have a literacy coach. And this last year, science was a big focus, so they brought in a science coach, you know, a full-time educator to just support teachers with this new science curriculum. Next year, math is new, and so they're bringing in a math coach who's going to support the teachers with doing this, uh, the new math curriculum. With that, they've also kind of changed... Uh, Kim and I's roles a little bit, and they, they're making us coaches as well. And not that what we're doing is anything different, but in the mindset of the teachers, you now fall under a different role. And, and it, it's interesting how teachers have already started to, they understand what coaches do. And so even though we're not doing anything different, it's it's the name change. It's not even, and we're not even changing our names. I'm still the learning teaching or technology and learning coordinator, but that I fall under this kind of coaching category. The way teachers look at you differently and saying, "Oh, well, you can come in and help me teach a class." And I'm thinking, "Yes, but I could have done that this year." But that's not how they saw it. So it was just really, it was interesting just how this this small shift in even naming conventions sometimes opens the door um, to allow teachers that you know the freedom to kind of come and ask you for questions that you're no longer this you know this yeah I don't know the the technology person that has all the things that all of a sudden when you're a coach you're there to support them so I don't know it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward but that's one thing that that we're doing to try to to get in the door uh, so to speak because too often I think. Many of us uh, that are tr- here to support teachers feel like you know used car salesmen that we're knocking on doors and, and having to ha- try and invite ourselves into classrooms rather than being asked a lot of times. So we're trying That's to figure a, out a way that to, is, to put to, you know to change that. Cheryl, great. That is such a great analogy. I'm going to have to use that used car salesman yeah. because that's how I, that's how I feel sometimes. Um, I, I totally agree with you um, in naming conventions, Jeff. Uh, it's just amazing to me as soon as they see you if they if you're called a specialist or and you have some kind of name where they might think it's an evaluative position exactly teachers shut they don't want you in their classroom as soon as you're called the coach or a mentor um you know you're you're welcomed in a little bit more well maybe more in, in some people's classes others still will keep their doors closed until the kids and other teachers start to talk and then they're they see, oh, I better catch on because I'm being left behind, you know, and uh, my philosophy is no teacher left behind, um, you know, it's it's just amazing to me that teachers, um, and I don't I don't remember, I could be speaking out there, I don't know if it was Rob or, um, or John, um, who said professional development needs to be, um, you know, uh, the teacher needs to have some kind of say in their professional development. Um, I totally agree with that, but I also think that teachers need to be um, self-motivated um, in their own professional development. And I use an analogy. Oh, yeah. I say, um, you know, would you go to a doctor or uh, an auto mechanic um, that does not stay up to date with the latest ways of either making you healthy or helping you to stay, you know, um, fit or whatever, or your car, you know, fix your car, the latest car, are you going to go to the vintage doctors and auto mechanics um 
you know, do you want to be that way in education? Do you, you know, what do you like about vintage education? I asked that at a conference one day I, I was presenting and no one raised their hand. You know, I mean, and, and I think teachers need to start feeling that more that way that, hey, okay, you've been doing it this way for 30 years. However, this way might actually help you, you know, explore new ways to get those kids engaged and maybe cut down on your behavior problems in your classroom. Um, you know, the worksheets. Um, so it's, it's really, really does come to empowering teachers. And, and I love the fact that somebody said, um, Rob, I don't, who, I don't know, it says the carpenter. So I know I'm missing the Steve, um, about the, about the David, about the administrators. That, that is huge. I mean, if you don't have administrative buy-in, you're, you're pretty much, you know, doing the bottom up model and it's, it's going to take a lot longer. Well, I think you can only go so far with a bottom-up model. You know, I mean, yeah. a, a bottom-up model, this is this is what I've seen, and this has been my experience. You can have a bottom-up model, and, and two things either happen. Like, you can grow that within your school. You can have a grassroots push within your school. But if, 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 the, top, if the top wants to crush that movement, it can. And then what mm-hmm. happens is people get frustrated and they leave. Or what happens is is they they see that there's the momentum and they buy into it. And and it and it's what we all hope that happens is that yeah, it kind of sure. falls over on itself. And all of a sudden you you broke through that wall. Uh, you know. Yeah. In, you, 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 in, yeah. In Shanghai, when I was there, that's what we did. We built the momentum, and now they're going one to one. Like there was so much momentum that the only thing they could do was go one to one or upset the teachers and have teachers leave. Like that, yeah, for sure. Like they, we You're, built the momentum that far, so it, it's interesting that you know. But you still have to have the administrators there, for sure. But oh, here's absolutely. my thing. Here's my thing with the whole thing. And my girlfriend teaches grade two at the same school, and she's a fantastic teacher. But and she works her ass off, right? So here's right. here's my question: Is how much time? We, we I mean, I totally agree with everything you're saying. We are asking teachers. We're saying, you know, like we are saying. Get on the blogs. Get on edgy blogs. Try Prezi. Try Notebook. Try everything. You know, get out there on Web 2.0. And you know, maybe if you're anything like me, I'm a bit abnormal in the sense that I probably spend anywhere between five and six hours a day in front of a computer, <laughs> and I really dig it. You know, and there's no problem with that. But you know, right. we're, we're just asking teachers who don't have 20 minutes in the day to, to go to the bathroom sometimes. We're really saying, you know, get a blog. And those things to maintain them and check student accounts and watch cyber citizenship and all those things, it takes a lot of time. So as administrators, the, the point about administrators saying, yeah, you know, we need them on board, they need to be sympathetic in the sense they're saying, we dig the idea that you, you, know, you want to use more technology and we're going to give you 20 minutes a day just for tech time to check your email and work on blogs. They need to offer something as well. We can't, teachers can't fit it in the normal schedule that the way it's going now. John, Absolutely. John, do I think you want to add something in? No, I, I just think, I mean, you guys are covering all the key points. It's the problem this has been going on the bottom line. Administrators still haven't bought into this. And until they do, we will be continuing to talk like this. And I think the point about time, you know, we're right now migrating everybody to Gmail tomorrow. And we spent the last eight weeks, you know, with workshops pre-planned. But what has happened is each principal hasn't looked at it globally. And they've been, you know, slapping things on top at the same time as the workshops. So people haven't been able to come. I think it really is about... 
an administration becoming conscious and looking at the bigger picture at a macro level and understanding all the different components that teachers have to deal with that makes them busy and then prioritizing because I feel I'm always competing against everybody yeah. and of course curriculum is yeah. uh, important and I think the other component is if we always try to put IT to like attach it onto something it's never going to work it has to be embedded so when Absolutely. people are talking about curriculum Absolutely. they're talking about IT at the same time not as an add-on and I think that's a kind of a paradigm shift that hasn't heard. Administrators, are they themselves not that comfortable? Understand that the world that we live in right now is a non-negotiable. You have to be IT literate. Mm-hmm. And I think we're always going to battle this. And I think I know people don't like top-down, but if there isn't some clear top-down parameters and non-negotiables, IT specialists and people like ourselves are always going to feel like a used car salesperson. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the question is then maybe we should be spending time selling to the administrators, and that's always much more difficult. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We need a movement against the administrators. They have to come on board, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, to be honest, you know how I work? I'm, I'm working that on a different angle, guys. I, uh, I took the initiative to run for school board out in my little rural school district, um, uh, and I am now going to be probably almost guaranteed to be a school board member in the fall. I am actually on both tickets, um, and I will uh, probably with 98% sure that I will be on Newport School District School Board, and I'm going to take it from that angle as well. Um, hey, you know, I think a lot of, Yeah, I, I think a lot of times school board members make decisions based on what the administration tells them, and the administration is not always up to date. They're not always honest. Um, because they have different, uh, you know, their own initiatives, their own, their own, um, you know, things that they want to push through. Um, so, I I'm to the point where I've gotten so frustrated that I can't just be this person that sits and complains about the school district. I have to do something. I have to be able to try to be proactive and do something about making change in this little area. This is a small community. We have a graduating class of about 80 kids. Um, you know, and, and are my children going to be ready for the 21st century when they graduate? And it makes me really nervous. So I said, I told my husband, I said, it's not about you because he's the teacher. He's a phys ed teacher there. I said, it's about our three little kids and making sure that they get the best education that they are. They, they are actually, you know, able to get um, as long as the teachers are equipped to do so. So I'm going to support teachers in my capacity as a professional, but also as a school board member. Um, so it's kind of going from going at it from two different angles. And, and I don't, <laughs> so if you can, <laughs> well, this is interesting because I think one of the ways you get to administrators is through the community. You get to administrators through the school board, through your parents, which are your parents, right? If you right, can start right. to sell your parents, I mean, how much time are we spending selling our parents on the fact that these are the skills their kids need to have to be successful? And if we get parent support. Well, the parents then go to the school board, get voted, you know, get voted onto the school board, and push that change because ultimately that's who holds our administration responsible. Is the parent yeah. community I, is, is the board? So, is there a way that we can, you know, focus on our parent community and do things exactly like this? Like, you know, get yourself voted to the school board, or go out and find somebody and say, <laughs> "Look, this is what needs to happen. You know, these yeah. are the skills we need to have, and we need your support in helping the school to do this." Right. And I think the other point that you know, my thing is, is like we need to we need to build awareness. Um, 
and and I think that there's such a lack of awareness. I mean, we are on we're on the cutting edge, but when when you guys go to talk to like the general public, friends or um, family members, do they look at you like you're out of your mind? Yep. Because yeah, that's sure. the reaction I get, and I'm like, don't you guys know that this stuff is out there? And they're like, Cheryl, you need to just relax and go away. You know, like they don't <laughs> want to hear it. And I'm like, this is crazy. You know, everything I read, no matter where it comes from has something embedded with technology technologies embedded in the article in the um research that i'm reading it just blows me away that people the general public just don't know enough you know um it it drives me crazy so i'm hoping to build awareness and to be supportive um you know and not punitive to my teachers that don't know what they don't know you know i think a lot of times teachers are held accountable but they're never trained agreed um no, I mean, giving a kid a baseball bat, a glove and a ball and saying, go play now without any coaching, you know, are they going to play well? No. It's the same thing with teachers and technology. They're not going to play well if, if we don't coach and, and mentor so and support. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, I can be one of those voices for, for the teachers and the kids. John, you were going to say something? Oh, I just think, you know, we often stand up in front of people and I think Cheryl mentioned that you know the, the, the 21st century is coming it's, it's not coming these things that they need are now today and I think yeah. people sometimes have, you know they tell me everybody's think this 21st century is this thing coming down the road well I've got bad news for them it's been around for nine, nine years exactly. and you know the reality is that it's non-negotiable I'm, I'm yeah. just going to one of the guys in my department sent me this great link for the new Xbox and uh, you guys should, uh, in your own time, watch uh, from 96 minutes onwards. It's pretty uh, mind-boggling what this the, new the Xbox is. What's it called? Natal something? Natal or something? It's all just like the yeah, Xbox. Yeah, it's basically it's the, camera is there, the camera films you, and by your movement, it automatically registers what it needs to do. Um, so yeah, you don't saw, need the I joystick. Today. Yeah, it's phenomenal, yeah. And it's yeah, kind of, you know, science fiction comes to the consumer, and I think what people need to come to terms with is the consumer world is going way ahead of the education world, and basically, you know, these kids are going to have to be consumers, are going to need those skills, or I think, and those issues, we're talking about digital citizenship and the balance and a more critical, ethical view on what's going on. So I, I think, you know, the, the idea that this thing is going to happen down the road, well, we're nine years into it. It's beyond going, you know, it's, it's not in the future. It's happening and we're actually late. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you just look at what's happened to you, what's happened to Twitter in the last six months. I mean, here's a piece of technology that's been around for, you know, since 07. I think it got started in, in late 06, 07. But in the last couple months, you know, with Oprah Winfrey picking it up and The Real Shack is up there now and Britney Spears, I mean, it has gone completely into this other realm. And do do people and even... the leader of North Korea, I don't know if you've noticed, he's got a Twitter now. Who? Kim Jong from North Korea says Twitter. Oh, jeez. See, and this is oh, the wow. thing, like, where where is this all going? And this is literally becoming a part of society faster than society knows what to do with it. Right, like yeah. it's right. just it, it's completely engulfed us as a society, and that just fascinates me because people have heard the word Twitter at this point, and if you haven't, you're probably living in a cave. But right. you know, you've heard the word Twitter. You don't you don't understand what it's about. You don't know what's happening, and for a lot of people, it still boggles the mind that you could even have done this on the internet. And oh, just not on the internet. You can do this from your cell phone. You can yeah. do this from 
you know, from while your you're driving touch. the car. Yeah, from your eye touch. Like, yeah. you can do this from anywhere and be connected anywhere. And I think it's just, it's interesting to see if this will be one of those, for, you know, one of those tools that all of a sudden it has become so entrenched into society so fast that will this be one of those things that maybe tips us over? So, um, it's well, time to kind of head into yeah. our links, our links for the week. And so, uh, if you have a blog link or a link you'd like to share, John, that's a great one uh, with the Xbox 360, the new one coming out. If you can give me the link to that video, I'd love to watch that uh, tonight. Uh, but, David, I'm going to go ahead and start I, I with you. While... You have it. Okay, great. Um, David, I'm going to start with you for a blog post of okay. the week, and then I'll go to Rob, and then I'll go to Cheryl, and then I'll wrap the show up. How's that sound? Sounds great. Hey, this has been a wonderful discussion, great way to end the season. Um, I'll put out three real quickly. I think everyone's familiar with Andrew Church's uh, wonderful work and just crystallizing concepts and ideas and graphical format. And uh, he's gone and done a mind map of Edward de Bono's six hats at his um, Edu Origami Edu blog site. So I'll put that in the show notes. Wes Fryer did a nice post on creativity involving. Uh, the willingness to make mistakes, and that's one of the themes that we talked about tonight, so that that's a nice supportive uh, post. And then just over the weekend, I was listening to This Week in Technology, TWIT, and from time to time, they talk about education, and um, they had Don Tops, Topscott, Tapscott, I guess. Yeah, Topscott. Yeah. Did you listen to it, Jeff? I haven't yet. It? It's sitting in. I, I want to get to okay. it, but I, I, I forced myself not to listen to it because I was behind it. Uh, I was behind one week, so I, it's it's next up. It's tomorrow. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a really fun one because it's it's fun. Every once in a while, they'll talk about you know we should be teaching kids about information literacy in schools, and we should be teaching them safety on the internet. So it's it's neat when they kind of go into it. But in this show, they really went in with depth, talking about how do we we need to shift our the way we we teach in our learning environment. So those are my three blog posts of the week. Excellent, uh, Rob. Uh, my blog post is going to be another uh, another huge plug for this Prezi nonsense. Uh, the blog post is uh, blog.prezi.com, and I, I was looking at it the other day because um, you know I'm interested in getting to know a bit more about this technology and this presentation format. And what I kind of realized after I've been using it a bit um, was that. Uh, about two years ago, I watched um, a guy from Microsoft demonstrating. Uh, it was the first TED talk I ever saw, and it was the, it was the guy um, who was demonstrating that that uh, photosynth technology where you zoom in and out of pictures. And what I realized that this Prezi technology is the exact same thing, and it's actually using the same technology. So uh, that was two years ago. So it was really cool to think that. And I was talking to my students about it. I was saying, well, this was an idea two years ago that was brand new and it was totally innovative and it was you know like wild out everybody was just working on it it was really exciting and now two two years later grade fours and grade fives are using it in the classroom i think that's super cool and i'm really excited about this this program because i think that there's all going to be a whole new movement of teachers that are going to use this kind of thing not just prezi but this kind of presentation format where you can manipulate a 3d environment in some ways to build lessons and build presentations for the classroom that the way that the visual information is set up will actually convey meaning and learning for students. It won't actually be about the content. Just how the, uh, the arrangement of the material will actually convey some meaning, as well as content. But yeah, I'm really excited about the future for this thing. Excellent. Cheryl? Um, I, I love, I don't know, I'm sure you guys heard TechSoup, uh, TechSoup blog. Um, it, it has, it's not strictly education at all. Um, and one of the blog posts that I read 
this the other day, um, was ICT and development, who's left behind, um, basically talking about global society and, and actually how um, people that are, you know, uh, in, in financial distress or, or they, they are, don't have the finance, how we can, as a society, continue to bring those people along with us, um, the haves and the have-nots. It's a really good article. Um, and it led me to uh, a bunch of other different sites. Um, but TechSoup is one of the ones that I would definitely say um, take a look at uh, and read because they talk from a different perspective. A lot of times when we just continue to look as educators and read education um, blogs, it, it doesn't give full um, scope of, of technology in, in you know, uh, society. So I love TechSoup and Mashable. I have to plug them. I love Mashable. Um, one of my favorite Twitter feeds and, and blogs. And, you know, you want anything that's happening, go to Mashable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so those fantastic. are my two plugs. Excellent. Um, John, how about you? Anything else besides the uh, Xbox 360 video? I, I don't know if you guys have seen the anthropology of YouTube. Love that one. Yeah, I, I really, I, I find that is something really fascinating, and, and we've used it with our parent community, and it's Ooh. been amazing the kind Ooh. of reaction and kind of something that they're feeling like, oh my god, I've been, I'm, I'm out of the loop. I need to get into the loop. I think it's really well done. It's quite lengthy. It's done by uh, Michael. I forget his last name. Out of Kansas State University. I will quickly get the link here on YouTube. But it, it, it's, it really does a wonderful job, kind of describing the phenomena of this and uh, kind of, you know, some potential impacts. And I, I think this, it does just a lovely job of setting the scene of where YouTube has come from and where it's gone. And it's an exemplar of where a lot of these Web 2.0 tools are taking us. And uh, I just, just find it. Great. Well, I, Can you I'll, send that, yeah. that link? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'll wrap up the show then with two great ones, and I appreciate everybody on our last episode here. Um, right before we started recording, Will Richardson uh, threw this out, and this yeah. is a Times Magazine, How Twitter Will Change the Way We Live. Uh, it, it looks like a fascinating article. I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it, it, it's good. It's That's coming from John. John? Sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> so uh, that's one link. I think that'll be an interesting read. And the other one is that nobody shared, so I, I will share it. Google Wave. Has anybody watched the video oh, for Google yeah. Wave yet? Yeah, oh, yeah. If you want to talk about something that is, you know, like John said, we're already nine years into the 21st century, and people aren't yeah. going to know what's going to hit them when Google totally revolutionizes the way we communicate. And it's one of those things where... Jeff, just on that note, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, uh, you know, we are moving to Gmail, and Google got wind of it, and they sent two people to our school to talk about the wave. That's awesome. It was very That's weird. Awesome. It was very weird. <laughs> um, it, we, yeah, we're, we're not sure what was going on. Anyway, so... It's. I, I, I'm, not, I'm sorry to have interrupted you, but oh, it was just cool. like this little anecdote last week, and uh, yeah, it's. I'm very how school is going to take this. Yeah. Well, I'm interested because you know the whole video that they release is yeah. like we're giving this to you, the community. I mean, they've taken yeah. such an amazing approach. Like, hey, we built this is the skeleton. 
here are the API apps. All of you geeky, you know, computer science guys, go out there and really show us what this framework can do. Here's our idea. Now you go use it. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's really... I mean, there's all kinds of blog posts out there right now about how this is going to revolutionize education, about the way we communicate, and whether or not it does or not. Uh, again, what I keep coming back to is it's the idea that we can change things. You know, the $100 laptop never did hit $100, but yet it forced computer manufacturers to find a better way to make lower-end laptops. And now India has come out and said, we're going to build a laptop for $25. And I don't think it doesn't matter whether or not they actually do. The problem is, is the idea has now been shared that it could be done. And I think that is just as important as the product itself. And I think the same thing is going to be that way with Wave, is whether or not this is the app, it's the opportunity that, look, what we are using is antiquated and is so old that there's a better way to do things, and we'll see what comes out of that. So with that, with that, that will wrap up um, our final show of Season 2. David, any parting words as you head on to Morocco? Morocco. It's just been a it's been a, a great time and a great learning experience, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we can work out next year with the time difference. But uh, for the folks that are, that have been listening, appreciate your You're support. Closer to me, David. We can talk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sounds good. Great. Rob and Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it was great for you to be in the chat and be here listening to us and be able to join us for our last show. It's always great to get. Uh, some of our listeners to join us and uh, it's been a great season this is our 27th episode in two years so that's not too bad we do well about, done. about two a month so we well, seem to work I caught the last one <laughs> yeah well we uh, yeah, for sure we happen to uh, we've had all kinds of if you go back and listen uh, we've had thunderstorms interrupt us two weeks ago all of Thailand or true in Thailand decided to update this whole area I'm in, so we were without internet for 24 hours. Like, there are so many things we've overcome with this podcast. It's been it's been a great run. So, so I look forward to doing it next year. Uh, we'll see with the time difference with David, and hopefully we can get him connected in, and, and we'll continue to run this. So, that's going to be it for season two of Shifting Our Schools podcast. Until next, uh, probably September when we get started again. Have a great summer, everybody, and keep shifting those schools. You too, Jeff. Thanks a lot for having me. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thanks, guys. Thank you.